Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those that were involved. My name is Grant, and with me today, I've got, we're going to be doing an anonymous Grabs. Uh, I got a fireman from a city in the Midwest, so uh, welcome. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, you, your fire department, before we get, get into the Grab? Uh, yeah, um, I've been in the fire service for um, about 12 years now. I uh, started as a volunteer uh, for the first six years, five, six years, um, and then went full-time, been full-time for about seven, um, and I'm actually on a part-time department for the last almost a year. Um, fire to basic, um, fire instructor, youth fire setter, um, kind of been dabbled in a lot of stuff. And youth fire setter, that's not you starting fires when you're a kid. That's something else, right? No, yeah, I'm supposed to uh supposed to try to help mitigate that a little bit. <laughs> gotcha. Uh what tell us a little bit uh, generically about your department size and, and how you guys run. Uh so uh relating to the department from the grab, um that department is uh combination. Uh we've got uh, seven guys a shift the captain and uh six members and then uh they've got i believe 11 of us part-timers 24 48 uh, they run roughly 2200 calls a year both fire and ems what's the search culture like there uh it's not bad um i mean me being new and part-time um, i've only actually got to deal with only you know a fraction of the members that are really regularly um but they're all i mean they all are really into the job it seems like um it's it's quite different from my other department just with the run volumes almost twice um what my full-time department is but uh no i mean they're they all seem they all seem real uh real aggressive when it comes to you know fireground tactics stuff like that they don't seem to shy away from anything uh, what do you guys get on like a single family house fire there? Uh, so if it's in our district, um, our two guys that are on the medic will then jump to the Quint. We have a 107 foot uh, Quint. And then depending on our manning, if we have six or seven guys, uh, we'll then dedicate the other guys onto the engine. And then um, we'll get an engine from two other departments and a medic from another department and then whatever chiefs show up we'll usually have two of our chiefs there um, and then maybe some of the other departments there if it's during the day their chiefs will usually show up so we could have anywhere from one to four chiefs on the scene of a residential fire got it who does searches usually uh for you guys there uh it's usually the dedicated uh that incoming uh truck that quint they'll usually be dedicated to the search initially um but for our uh if that truck's not available for some reason if that medic crew's out and we can't staff that right away then uh it'll be the second incoming engine or truck crew whichever whoever gets there which department all right why don't you take us to that call and let's run down the specifics of what happened that day all right um uh, it was about uh, 11 o'clock I was actually in bed. Uh, the EMS crew, the medics, they were out on a call. Um, 
with the captain. So like the captain runs a utility and he chases all the calls. Um, so they were out. Uh, the call came in uh, for a house fire or a fire at the uh, apartment complex. Get in the truck, head there. And on the way there, um, dispatch came through and said that um, not unsure of uh, if it's occupied. Uh, bystander said that uh, the car is in the driveway and they're not sure if they're home or not. Uh, the apartment was uh, it's about four miles away from where we were. Um, but uh, the chief was off duty, but he showed up. Uh, he actually did a good size up. And then he actually got the door forced for us before we even got there. Uh, and he told us that it was just heavy smoke and uh, it was uh, heavy content conditions from what he saw just from that front door. So we came in on the engine. There was three of us, me and the, we were initially ordered to uh, lay a line in and uh, interior attack. Uh, we went up, it was a garden style apartment with uh, four units. It was the second story. Uh, so we went up, uh, laid the line at the front door, uh, pretty much just pushed the door right open. It wasn't really held by anything. Um, and then there wasn't really a whole lot of heat. It was more or less just, I mean, a ton of smoke. And um, it was, bank I mean, visibility was, I could see maybe a foot or two in front of me. Um, but it was down pretty low. It was down on my knee and uh, couldn't really see much in front. You could see the glow of the fire. Uh, it really wasn't much or a very large fire it was maybe taken took up you know maybe like a four by four section of the floor um had water on the fire in like two to three minutes from time of arrival um, and then simultaneously we were doing that uh the second incoming uh company uh they came in and the chief uh, ordered for a ves on the charlie side second story um so like i said it was it was super um super smoky for us. We couldn't really see a whole lot, just, you know, really the glow of the fire. Um, so we had that knocked and then I was just kind of trying to feel around, trying to see, you know, if there was somebody in here trying to find the path within, you know, all their contents. Um, about that time, uh, one of the utility vehicles showed up uh, with another member uh, and he came up with a hook and a tick um, asked, you know, what was going on. I you know, told him their VES on the other side and then, um, I was like, I think the fire is out. I don't think there's really any extension because where we were, I maybe made it a foot or two into the actual apartment. Um, and I was just I was just greeted by you know all their stuff. Um, and then, uh, so I grabbed the tick from him. We were kind of searching around, couldn't really see much. Uh, and then the VES crew, once they actually made that room, it cleared a ton of smoke. Um, and uh, it actually, I mean, this, the the um, atmosphere and stuff it actually really really improved quite a bit really quick uh, and then i kind of took the tick across the room that we were in uh, and i saw just kind of a the glow of essentially the victim's arm uh, kind of sticking up in the air and it was kind of hard to tell what it was uh, it was in kind of an older msa style tick with a smaller screen but saw the glow and kind of got down to that level and i was like i think we have a victim here um got up closer to him and you know saw okay we got a victim here i called out to him victim 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 he got on the radio and you know told the chief hey we're bringing somebody out um and so then at that point i just laid the line down and 
I went up. He kind of was laying on his side, like on the floor off of their futon. Um, he kind of had like an L of you know stuff around him from the futon, like an end table and stuff to get to him. Um, but he had you know debris and stuff all over him, and uh, there's no clothes on. So to drag him out, I didn't to get to his. I usually grab his legs or whatever, try to. Um, but due to all the stuff that was around, I didn't feel it was necessary to try to orient myself to his legs and get buried under something. Uh, so I crossed his arms essentially across his chest and then hooked his arms, pulled them close to mine. Uh, and then I started to drag him out to the point where the other firefighter that was with me uh, could grab his legs. Uh, we, we drug him out to the door. Uh, and then once we got to the door, uh, I just pretty much grabbed his right wrist, lifted him up and then kind of put my hand underneath his head and like uh, his upper back to try to control him coming down those steps. Um, and we brought him down the steps. Uh, the medic crew was there and uh, put him right on the cot and they started to ventilate right away. And then they, they took him off into the squad and did their thing. And we went back in and uh, tried to you know, conserve the area where we were and, there was really no other no other extension or anything like that. Just uh, been out the place and um, you know clear the smoke and and all that. So nice. Did you have? Uh, was he slippery at all as you were dragging him? Uh, yeah. Um, so he was in like relation to the fire. He was maybe a foot or two away. Um, and from, I mean, I, this is like the first actual grab I was truly involved in, um, you know, straight from pulling somebody out of the structure. Um, I was expecting them in my head to, you know, slough off, you know, we're all told that you grab them, you know, they're going to come apart and stuff like that. Um, but he stayed together. I mean, it's kind of gross, but um, he was real slippery. So that's kind of why I wanted to go with that arm lock right away. Um but for that, you know, that arm lock that I did and then even grabbing his wrists like that, that really did the job and was a lot easier, I think, than would have been trying to get up underneath his arms or anything. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. Um, how far did you have to drag him out of there until the that second firefighter could help with the legs? I probably only pulled him uh, maybe three foot um, and then he was able to get in and grab the legs. And start to uh, kind of assist to pull him out. He was maybe ten foot to the doorway um, in relation to where we entered. How heavy was the victim? I think they said he was about two fifty, roughly. I mean, at the moment, he didn't seem like it was a big person. I guess, but this is what you know, coroner and the the people said after the fact. Did you have a lot of difficulty uh, getting through the clutter or were there, was there a path pretty much to get them out? Or? So where the, the fire kind of burnt more stuff into the path where I, you know, where it would have been his general way of travel. Um, but to get to him, we actually had to move essentially the burning table that was beside him uh, to get, to get him. Um, but then once we really, I mean, once I, you know, we overcome where he, we overcame where he was, it was really easy to start kind of dragging him out. Um, he kind of rolled over the contents of stuff on the floor and it, it wasn't too terrible. Um, he had like a linoleum floor and stuff like that. So it wasn't too slippery because 
um, we kind of had the contents to stand on to help give us some grip to pull them out. Uh, what do you think time was from arrival to victim out? If you had to guess. Uh, I actually think I had the time somewhere. Uh, I think it was about, I think it was like 12, 13 minutes roughly from when we were on scene uh, till they have it like radio reported um, that it, we, we had a victim and I wouldn't think it took us more than a minute or two really to drag him out that far. So maybe 15 at the max. No, we don't hear a lot of stories of people finding victims with the ticks. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you can you describe what the victim looked like in the tick? Because uh, tick goes on heat. So if the victim's colder than the fire, they're going to be one color. If they're hotter than the fire or the room contents, right. they're be a different color. So what what did they what did that tick look like? Uh, so like I said, the screen. I don't know if it's just me. Just I'm used to flares, so the other or the department that part-time department there they run the older like msa style uh the screen was a little bit darker or smaller but everything in the room seemed like i cooled it pretty well um so everything in the room was pretty dark um but then like there's his skin had a, a glow to it like the arm kind of glowed and stuck out and i kind of believe that was because of how close he was in relation to where the fire was i think potentially like you know the burns to his arms might have um assisted essentially picking him up on the tick um, because then the debris that was actually laying on him i mean it was cold it it was it was kind of a weird um it was it was kind of weird to see it was like a like a zombie movie you just see like the arm coming up out of it and that's that's where the victim was well um post incident now that you had your grab is there anything different you're gonna do uh within that part-time department or your full-time department now that you've kind of experienced that Uh, i think i need to try to familiarize myself a little bit more with ticks um i think it's something that we kind of forget about kind of together as a fire service you know unless you're hanging out with andy starnes you know the tick master uh but I mean, I don't do a whole lot with them. I usually, you know, just look for a glow or try to make out objects with it. But um, I think actually trying to you know, take the tick and use it maybe beyond what our initial process to try to kind of dive into that and you know understanding it more and understanding all the uses it has versus you know just look for something glowing or whatever, because when they see the moments on, you kind of have that tunnel vision. Um, but I mean, I think that I don't, I can't really put into perspective, I guess, how long it would, would have taken us to actually find him maybe if we wouldn't have had that just because of the amount of clutter that was around him. Yeah, for sure. And you know, if, if, any of you guys get a chance, uh, Dustin Martinez does a great search class. It, I think it's called search Re- reformation or reformation or something along those lines. Uh, anyway, but part of, part of his class, he's got some pictures of a tick and there's a victim in like all the slides and it's hard to see in a classroom what you're looking at and some present white, some present dark. Uh, it was just kind of difficult to pick out. So it's definitely a lost art. And you're right. Starnes is kind of the, uh, the tick guru uh, when it comes to learning that kind of thing. 
Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. Anything else you want to add before we uh, cut this one off? Um, nothing really. I mean, nothing. I don't think anybody doesn't know that listens to this podcast. Um, I mean, the training and stuff that you, know, you guys are putting out. I like. I really wanted to come on here and try to share that message because you know that stuff works, and you know we don't know. You know, I trained and been in the fire service for 12, 12 years now. And, you know, it's taken me 12 years to, you know, actually put that training to use. Um, but it's, it's just the stuff works. And I really hope that more people, you know, open their eyes to what's out there um, goes beyond, you know, our book training and actually goes into real life stuff, you know, to break these things down. I, I mean, I wouldn't have, I had no idea about um, that crossing the arm drag. Um, until a couple couple weeks ago, I actually had a probie. He got back from Oath Keepers, and he was like, "Hey, they were teaching this drag at Oath Keepers. Check it out." So we practiced it for a shift, and then I mean, I wasn't expecting to use it right away, you know, as quick as quick as I did. But I mean, I never would have done that if it wouldn't have been for him. You know, I just would have grabbed his wrist and pulled as hard as I could. So. Um, that's the awesome. Training it, works. It's Science working. <laughs> it's working. That's awesome. <laughs> the training works. Yeah. And thanks for reaching out to us to do this. Uh, I really want to encourage any anybody that you get a grab. You know, first and foremost, we want you to go to Firefighter Rescue Survey, fill out that survey. That's most important. Uh, but the second phase is get a hold of me, Nick Ladine, Justin McWilliams. Just record the story because what we're trying to do here is bring Firefighter Rescue Survey to life. You know, numbers is one thing, and and, and we see all that. It's awesome. It, it can f- uh, focus where we do our training but something about hearing a story and something just man we did one uh in the episode right prior to this where somebody actually picked up something in another podcast and used it and found found somebody so that means it's starting to multiply so you know brian brush says in in his study said you know we're making like 10 grabs a day i should be getting way more texts and emails to to do these so uh if you want to find me on social media nick or justin or just text me is probably the easiest way 239-898-0843 and and let's just share the story it's real easy uh anybody can tell you we just do it by zoom it's just low key and you can remain anonymous just like this one was. So um, thank you for listening and until next time, that's it for the grabs.